welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today we're taking a look at Degrassi Next Generation Season 4, Episodes 11 and 12, Voices Carry. Before we get too far into these episodes, we're going to stick a quick content warning. We are going to be talking a bit about ableism, school shooting, and all of the fallout relating to it. Uh, we're going to be talking about abuse. We're going to be talking about suicide and suicidal ideation, as well as hospitalization, um, both for physical and mental-related illnesses. Um, to help us through this episode, we have a very special guest. It's been a little bit since we've heard from from them. Uh, sorry, Dahlia just fell into my lap, jumped into my lap, because that's what she does. We have a very special guest joining us, somebody that we are very happy to have return. It is our pal, Joey. Hey, Joey. Ooh. How's it going? Oh, um, good, good. Been living that dream, as the sad retail workers say when anyone asks them how they're doing. True, true. Um, in terms of Degrassi and things like that, have you revisited any episodes other than the one that we are watching since the last time you were on? Uh, not particularly, not any others, really. Um, I got so much other to watch, I haven't revisited many other episodes since the first time watching them, but I feel like the thing with Degrassi is that even though I had not watched these episodes since they aired, I still remembered them clearly, so it's a show that just always sticks with you for better or worse. Yeah, I think that's a really apt description of Degrassi in general. This was an episode that I think a lot of episodes from this season really stuck with me. This one, these two I particularly remember. I feel like I kind of knew every shot as I was watching it because for whatever reason I watched this episode a whole these episodes a whole lot when I was growing up which we can unpack later. Like, yeah, I feel like this is the season. This season and season 3 are the seasons that they aired the most on the end like reruns they would always play episodes particularly from these seasons. Yeah, I also growing up had a box set of this season specifically. So there were a couple, like, sleepovers that I watched a lot of these episodes in rapid succession with my friends. So, um, which is funny. It was literally the only season I had on DVD. It was, like, because, like, it was, like, one of those Christmas gift things where I was, like, I gotta be able, I can get one season. What season can I get? What season can I rationalize getting? And this was the season that I picked. Which makes sense, I, I guess. I feel. Yeah, exactly. That was the, that was the you know mid-aughts struggle when you had to ask for something on DVD and it was a season of a show. Exactly. It's like, why do you have, like, weird increments of anime DVDs, Donnie? Well, because it was fucking expensive. <laughs> but... Listen, I still have my bootleg Sailor Stars VHS. Good. Good. Um, but before we get too far into talking about nostalgia, let's set up this plot. So, Joey, would you like to introduce our A-plot and our B-plot? Right, so, uh, the A-plot centers around, um, our boy Craig and his relationship with Ashley. They are back together, however, her family is VV not pleased, uh, you know, due to infidelity and the like. So Craig very visibly with mental illness in this case, particularly being bipolar, which is something I can give, you know, takes on. 
our B plot is a much lighter there uh, to the point where it almost feels completely disjointed from the A plot more so than even other B plots where it's JT and Liberty play and Radich having issues with their content in light of recent events. Awesome. Yeah, this is a interesting pair of plots. I also I'm really picking up on a theme of this season, which I don't think was the intent of the writers, but Jesus fucking Christ, this season is just like episode after episode after episode about white men with mental illnesses. Yep. Yeah. Like an obscene amount. Like we we go from like Rick, we go to um Sean, we now are with Craig, and... Also, that could just be, um, writers, because if you think about it, there are very few characters of color on the show, period. It's true. It's true. It's... I mean, I think it's... Right now, I think Jimmy is the only man of color on the show. Fuck. Yeah, because, like... Danny? Yeah, Danny. Danny. Oh, Marco. Well... Really? I mean, Marco's Italian, so... Yeah. I, 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 I said, oh, yeah, I was thinking... It was true. I was thinking... For some reason, I mentally thought later they made him... But that could be incorrect. I'm pretty sure he's consistently Italian. So, not him. Um, not him, no. And then no, Alex... Sorry, sorry Mark, but you only get to be spicy mayo. <laughs> right, you get to have some olive oil. Um... I mean, Alex is this weird conundrum of, like, a white actress playing someone who is, seem, appears to be portrayed in a way that's supposed to be Latinx, but that also just goes into, like, potential women of color on the cast, but anyway, it's, it's one of those issues, and we touched upon it very lightly in the Sean episode, but it, it is also just one of these things where it's like, um, I think what ends up happening with this with these kind of characters is like I don't even think that they're like a trope so much as people that are like not from marginalized group writing these stories are like I want to talk about mental illness who can I have be mentally ill let's have the white man be mentally ill and like unfortunately this is a trope that's in so much media a lot of media I really love like I'll call out the media that I've talked about in these episodes when talking about this. Like, a lot of the things that I'm like, well, this has a decent take on it, ultimately are still white men with mental illnesses. Yeah, I would. It's tough. It's, like, very tough because I don't... I think a lot of it is just the way the writers have really thinned out their cast. And they were like, who are we going to have be mentally ill? Well... Let's let's have these complicated white boys be mentally ill. And it's just this this feels like it it's very it was just something I didn't really think about when I was a kid. I didn't really think about how this season is dominated by that a lot of the time. Um and now it's like front and center and I'm like, oh oof. But before we get too far into that and Craig and all that type of stuff, we should probably take a look at this B plot first. I mean, yeah, it's pretty insubstantial. It's, it's weird because it part of it, it feels like there's a thread that should be pulled more from it. Yeah. Um, which is... Um, the fact that Degrassi has uh, four teachers, because Miss Kwan apparently also heads up the drama club. Right. Like, so, so we open it up with 
Liberty and JT. JT has like a pile of scripts. He passes them off to Liberty. As they're talking, they reveal that Liberty has written a full musical adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula? Well, I don't think it's a musical. It, was, it wasn't initially a musical. Yeah. Excuse me, it was a play. But still, an adaptation, a full-scale adaptation of a fucking novel. What time? I'm amazed that this kid was like, yes, this is the thing I'm going to do. Let me bang this out. Well, we haven't seen Liberty for many a moon. So this is what she was doing. Yeah. This is what she was doing, yes. She was writing her Dracula play uh, for Dracula the Musical in X-Men Evolution, which is what I think you might be confusing it with. I think you're right. I think that's exactly what I'm confusing it with. But it's really weird. Like, she's walking around. She walks, like, Manny enters the fray. And Liberty is doubting herself. But the bizarre, and I feel like this embodies how little respect I think the writers even give Liberty... Manny's, like, way to console her is by just attributing really negative qualities to her. She's like, yeah, but, like, you're stubborn and, like, shit like that. Like, clearly you can handle this. Like, I don't know why you're acting so, like, you don't have confidence on this. And then JT counters with, yes, and ref calls Liberty the arsler. No, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that could very much just be a product of the time where that yeah. word is far more commonplace. However, like... Bad take and very like whoa. Um, well, he says determined to the point of social arsler. arsler. Like, and it's true that word was used an obscene amount during this time period. I feel like most teen programming is like if you watch pretty much any teen programming from this era, it has it in it. Yeah. Like, even shows I really like from this era, Friday Night Lights, I think even in the first episode, uses the R slur, things like that. It's still also, ugly. Yeah, it's also bad, but in this case, he's not using it in terms of it being the slur as much as, like, he's actually using what its definition is. However, you cannot divorce that word from its connotations, especially in this time period when it was so commonplace. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's... It's rough. Um, and it's also just, like, I don't know, it's very, I don't really, it's very, like, upsetting to watch. Like, we finally get Liberty back from her episodes-long hiatus, and she shows vulnerability, and the people closest to her shit on the fact that she's showing any vulnerability. I mean, Manny never knows how to talk to anyone ever. I feel like that is consistent with her. It's true. It's just kind of, like, a bigger picture, like... How much do we have to watch this girl get torn apart by her peers? Yeah. Um, but they do that, and then JT says that, eventually says that Liberty is brilliant, gives her some muffins, and kind of runs off. And he's apparently also the director. Yes, yes. It's kind of funny because it's like, I feel like him leaning into being a theater kid is kind of, I think, what they should have done earlier and would have made JT more endearing to me. Yeah. Though, honestly, like... Uh, I agree. When he was suddenly starting to actually praise Liberty and, like, in his own shitty way, I was just like, finally, JT, finally you're not the, the um, swine the pearls are being cast before. Yeah. Um, so we cut to... <laughs> We cut to, uh, play practice. Alex is in it! 
And I'm just... Like, what deal with the devil had to be made to get Alex in this play? Right? Like, well, she's probably, you know, she's going through it. Kind of because of her own making, but, you know, maybe this is her way to, like, deal. I don't know. So she was there, and they needed someone to read the lines. Right, right. Also, also, <laughs> consider. Who's not occupied with some plot business? Oh, Alex, come here. Right, right, exactly. But, like, also, it was kind of delightful to see, because it's like, I don't know, I, I also just like Alex, so they can put her in anything, and I'm like, yeah! I, my own headcanon is Alex and Paige are working at the theater, and, um... Alex is like, who'd want to be in the stupid play? And Paige is like, I don't know, like, I think I might go see it. And then Alex is just like, then like smash cut to Alex being like, I need a part in this play. Right. <laughs> I love it. I, I like this random guy who is uh, going all out. He is just reading with all the intonation of that random server guy in the scene in uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street when Nancy hallucinates. Fuck. Niche reference, but if you get it, you get it. It's true. Um, but, like, you know, they're all doing it. They're all, like, really behind this project. They're very supportive. Like, you can tell that they give a shit about what Liberty has created. The problem is, is that while people applaud at the preview that they're provided, Radish uh, puts, um, as Dahlia's falling off of me, um, Radish sets Quan to the side and has this very concerned look, and we know that's never really a good sign. So that when we fast-track to the office in the next scene, um, Radish is talking to JT and Liberty, um, and he's criticizing the content of the play, especially because we are just after, he cites it as, like, you know, it's so soon after the school shooting, is this really appropriate? And to which, um, you know, Liberty has, has her reasons, and she cites, like, quotes from the quotes from the novel and everything to kind of explain, like, you know, it's not as hopeless as it may seem. And also, like, this is a way for her, as well as the other students, to kind of work out their feelings after everything has happened. Pretty good reasonings. And Radich is just like, no, you can't do this. Um, and then, you know, like, what are you, like, why don't you do a musical about Degrassi? Um, and really does not care about the fact that, like, making a musical is a lot of work. Never mind that making it, the things that happen at the school, all the good things, you know, the one. The one good thing, that it opened. I, yeah, you know, that the school is still standing. Like, making a musical about Degrassi is infinitely more depressing than putting on a stage play of Dracula. I, I honestly couldn't think of the one good thing you guys are joking about. <laughs> the one good thing I told you is the fact that the school is still standing. Yeah, that exactly. That's the only good thing that's ever happened at that school. See, what Degrassi should have, have is like a, almost like a Hunchback of Notre Dame type of treatment in which, like, a basically, like, Degrassi, the building, is a character. Um... Or, There's the hiding from the eyes of Degrassi. <laughs> or something like, it's lunch time, it's lunch time. Here comes Ashley to tell everyone I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really like, it's very like, I'm not surprising for Radish to me. It seems very in line with his ideas. 
And he's just like, yeah, that's great. Do a musical. That sounds wonderful. Um, you can come, like, come up with it. You guys better get started. Liberty poured her heart and soul into making this very clearly, like, 50-page script, sir. Right. It's, it's absolutely asinine. Um, and, but, you know, this is apparently the cards that they're being dealt with. Oh, you're so needy tonight, Dahlia. Um, so we go to the dot, and Manny enters. She approaches Liberty and JT, um, and they present the Degrassi musical idea, saying that Manny will be the main character, who is Sally, the cafeteria worker. Um, and she is kind of one of, she is like this stalwart, like, fixture of Degrassi, and she is kind of her, she will introduce, basically, the timeline of Degrassi for this musical. Like, of all the things to do with Manny, you're like, cafeteria worker. <laughs> right, right. And, and Manny also feels the same way with this, where she's just like, absolutely not. No way in hell I'm doing this. And JT is just I'm, like, well, I quit. She's like, well, this is all we got. Right. He's just like, that's it. The only song, the only song tune I know is Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Um... It's it's really funny because I actually like um, one of the camps that my program my uh, program runs is like a musical camp. And it's kind of interesting because the kids do write their own music. Like basically, like the there are musicians that work at the camp and they like come up with the tune and then the kids come up with the lyrics and they actually come up with some pretty cool uh, stuff. It's really cute. Um, was that was a project we had to do in tenth grade biology. We had to write a oh? song about the parts and functions of the cell but it had you know had to be a song so my group uh for some reason probably because we were 15 decided to do it to smooth criminal yes <laughs> that sounds right and i still remember to this day one line we wrote which was cell, cell respiration was creating atp nice honestly i love that shit it was a very good song and um the guy in our group played guitar when we sang it for the class. Oh, good. It's the little embellishments that really put you over the edge with that stuff. That's really funny. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so, JT is not as gifted. Um, and he's just like, uh, I don't know, I quit, bye. And Manny tells Liberty that she needs to invite him over to her hot tub and figure this out so that she doesn't have to wear a hairnet for this fucking also production. Very, that was very specific of Manny, I will say. Yes. I mean, t to be fair, she did witness the whole entire um, pantsing God damn it. business <laughs> that happened earlier in the season that led to the penis pump. God damn it. But... So, she does have very intimate knowledge of all of this stuff. Um, but it I is... I will say, man, is never known for being subtle. No, not at all. So, you know, we, we, we're we here. Um, so, we do end up at the hot tub. Danny has, like, a fucking snorkel and is, like, snorkeling in the hot tub. Man, as he's just rambling. They so badly wanted a pool. But they're like, we have a hot tub. Fuck it. That's all we got. Right. Um, I will say Danny's idea wasn't terrible. No, it really wasn't. 
It wasn't as bad as other ideas. But he's just, like, talking at them, kind of. He's just like, yeah, there's this, 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 and he just keeps talking. And they are just like, uh, go to fuck to sleep. <laughs> sleep, daddy. Right? Like, go to sleep! Go to sleep! Um, so they come up with this, uh, this song, Dragging Radish, and they're like, we're gonna be rebels, we're gonna sing this. And the song is about radishes. And it presents itself as a song set to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, talking about radishes, and then eventually talking about how they are oppressive. And you know where the message is going with this one. Um, and she and Liberty's like super psyched because this is gonna be a big old fuck you song. Um, so when we go to school, Liberty presents the radish lyrics to the drama club, and it has a title in papyrus font, which is really important, because Degrassi has proven time and time again that when they have formal documents, they like to use papyrus. Um, and nobody is exactly pumped on the radish song. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing is Alex saying, I'm all about rebellion, not so much into getting expelled over a play. And then just leaves. Right. She's just like, bye. Fair fucking well. Little star, I'm not dying on that hill. Right. M Manny and Emma both abandon it. Um, Manny's like, uh, if I leave now, I can still catch my dad. Right? I was like, oh. I just imagine her sprinting out and just being like, oh, fuck, they're gonna sing this stupid song. We gotta go. <laughs> like, I need to leave. Now. Please leave. Bye. Um, and we can just about finish this. Like, Radish shows up and he's like, where's the drama club? And they're like, well, JT's trying his best to cover up and not sing the song. And then Liberty is just like, go fuck yourself, Radish. Like, um, and she it says... Calm about it. He was just like, okay, you're gonna be in detention, I guess. Yeah. Because, like, she just fucking leaves. <laughs> right. Like, she's just like, well. I was like, you know what? Feel like, feel like, you know, that might be, might be kind of on me. May um, have. But, you know, d detention. Goodbye. I just imagine her just walking the streets of Degrassi Town, or whatever the fuck it's called, just yelling about how much... Toronto? Is it? Yes! <laughs> it's not a suburb? It's still Toronto! I don't fucking know, they never... We had a map! Made for us! Did we? Yes! It's on Twitter. Oh, I don't use Twitter. Anyway. It's Degrassi Town. <laughs> it's a city... Oh that's the last line in my Marco Detective AU. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Paige, it's Degrassi Town. Is it Paige? It's Degrassi Town. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, it is Toronto. Okay. I remember asking that, like, months ago, and nobody had an answer for me. I was like, is the town called Degrassi? Because we were schooled decisively <laughs> by a Twitter, a lovely listener on Twitter. <laughs> Anyway, it is Toronto. The greater Toronto area is massive. Let's continue. Um, cut to them in detention. Um, Liberty's like, I don't know why you're here. I sang the song. And JT's like, 
Um, I can't, you know what, this fucking ruled. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we pissed off Radich, even though I'm a wimp, we pissed off Radich. But I mean, like... This... You pissed off Radich and I watched. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to JT, he does say, like, yo, I was a coward, and you, like... He does. He does own up to that. And I was just like, finally, is this the JT I'm supposed to like? Um, this is actually the beginning of good JT, I feel. Yeah. Um, the most valid point of his personality, and that is Liberty, which is the which is his saving grace, even though she's way too good for him. I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, hello. Hello. But... But yeah, so he's like, yeah, I wimped out. I'm sorry about that. And Liberty says, like, you know, she like, you know, she reflects on like what she wishes that she had done, and she just smacks a smoo on him, and says that she had has this longstanding crush on him. Yeah, it's cute. Um, and that's it for the B plot. Yeah, he's like, my stomach hurts. Yeah. Okay. It's it's called a boner. <laughs> oh, you broke Frank. That's fun. Well, I was just thinking about, like, well, um, I bet you his stomach ache doesn't hurt as much as Craig's stomach hurts. Because you remember? Uh, remember when we found out that Craig has actual big dick energy? Wow! It's like, oh my god, the fact that that is, like, canon in the Degrassi universe is still the funniest fucking thing to me. They spoke that into existence. It was not a fanfic writer. But yeah, it's a pretty inconsequential B-plot. I think there is a deeper thread in it, which perhaps is also set up for further plot, but this idea that, like, Radich is dropping the ball in terms of actually listening to the needs of the students in response to this huge tragedy, it's something that I... Yeah, I think it could have been pulled more for this plot, though. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Especially because that's something that it will come into play. No spoilers. But in general, just arc of his incompetence. Yes, but remember, no spoilers. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So like, I feel like it's something that they could have put a little bit more weight to. I think that's really what it is. Is the B plot. I feel like the A plots and B plots are very difficult, and the reason why they're so difficult is the weight of them. And it's hard, because from a writing perspective, I understand why you want the A plot and the B plot to have two different weights. Because sometimes you're watching an A plot, and it's so serious, it's just like you're getting beat, like you're just getting punched in the face continuously, not to reference what happens in the A plot. But, um, and then... <laughs> And then, like, you get a B-plot and it has the same intensity and it feels like it's unrelenting. But sometimes you make your B-plot too light and then it's just kind of like, well, why am I watching this coupled with what's going on in the A-plot? It's a really difficult... That's, that's what I feel was the was what was kind of disjointed with this because that yeah. was that issue. Yeah, exactly. It, it. I think that there have been episodes like this, these double-headers. I don't know, the double-headers, sometimes I feel like the B-plot is a little dicey. There are a couple episodes where there, it is a serious A-plot, and they have a pretty serious B-plot, and they kind of are able to meet in the middle quite a bit. And this one, I just feel like it wasn't quite there. Yeah. The B-plot in, in this episode, despite the references you know, to the shooting and everything, felt like an earlier 
episode where, you know, the biggest problem is, oh no, the principal won't let us write our play. Yeah, you know what it was? I was actually thinking about it in, like, when, because I remember the Radish song, and whenever I thought about the Radish song, song, I kept visualizing a younger Liberty singing it. Mm. And I think it kind of complements it, where the whole premise of doing, like, a passive-aggressive song about radishes feels more like what they would do in Durasi Jr., like, in the junior high level. Yes, that's what I was saying. Like, it feels like an earlier episode. Exactly. It's, it's, it, 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 it could be worse, it could be better. Um, I think that... So, you know, the thread of JT Liberty from here on, I feel like that was its end goal. Yeah, I think that was the actual point. It's, it's a tricky, I don't know, it's very interesting watching how this series is dealing with the fallout of the shooting. Or not dealing with. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's like, I feel like everyone associates them for like, wow, they went there because they did the shooting. And it's interesting because you kind of get this sense that they are wildly out of their depth in terms of, like, how they are dealing with it afterwards in the fallout. And I understand to a certain extent it's something that isn't probably... It was probably not something that you could easily research unless you were going to start talking to schools and talking to students who were involved in school violence like this. But it does kind of feel like a lot of the time they're kind of like, well, what do we do now? We can't ignore it, but we also don't fully know what to do about it either. Uh, we also don't want to, you know, continue to dwell on it. Exactly. It's it's really hard. Our minds, we've wrapped that up. Right. And, like, it's really hard. And I think that the fact that they set the shooting so early in the season was so ambitious. And it's kind of interesting seeing them fumble it in this way, which I feel like as a viewer, as a teenager, I didn't really pick up on. And maybe that's the point, right? Like, as a teenage audience member, I was captivated by this season. There was so much happening in the series that I was, like, so into and so latching onto. And I didn't really notice it. I don't really know if teenagers who watch it now would necessarily... They might, because unfortunately a lot of them have a lot of experience with this type of stuff at this point, or living in a world in which this is a constant threat. But as a teenager, I didn't find myself seeing these flaws quite as much. And not even in like the, the ones that would be harder for someone, like a younger kid to pick up on. I mean, like, quality of plot like this. But... What the fuck do I know? Let's move on to this A-plot. Alright, so let's move on to that B, that A-plot. So, A-plot starts off with, we're at the front of the school, Craig and Ashley are smooching, and Ashley's wearing this amazing western motif shirt. <laughs> Holy shit, it's just like this all-around print of cowboys on horses and shit. There's like a gradient to it. It's magnificent. This season are just, they're potent. They really are. Potent is the best word for them, honestly. Um, and Ashley is talking about how her life is being consumed by her dad's wedding. Um, and Craig just kind of starts rambling a little bit about, like, how, like, you know, the constant, like, there's constant traffic, and then, like, brings up airports, and how people, like, saying, I love you in airports, um, and she's like, wait, what? And he's like, oh, I only say I love you in airports. And as they're having this conversation, Ashley's mom arrives, and Mama Kerwin is not happy about Craig being back into the picture. She is... I'll also say, uh, Mama Kerwin and Ashley have almost the exact same haircut. That is true. They do. 
feel like that happens with parents sometimes. Uh, so they do it in Love Alive. How do you know you're related to your kid? Just wear their hairstyle. Right. Have the same damn precarious cowlick. It's fine. But, um, but yeah, I, Mama Kerwin is not happy to see Craig. She is giving him daggers. Um, she does not want him anywhere. Um, she's like, she's just like, not a big fan at all. The bridge, the bridge has been very much burned. I remember one time one of my sister's exes called, and, like, this was before cell phones, and my mom got on the phone, and he's just like, would you tell Susie I called? My mom's just deadpan, why would I do that, and hung up. <laughs> the women in your life, Frank, are a level of viciousness that I aspire to be. They're very protective of the people they care about. I love it about them. But, um... So, next scene, where they're sitting on the floor, the sacred floor, reflecting on um, how Mama Kerwin reacted to Craig. There should have just been a pan over to Ellie, also sitting on the floor, just looking grumpy that she's alone. Right! Also, I mean, Ellie's kind of dealing with a lot of shit right now, but I do wish she was in this episode in some capacity. I feel that way about a lot of Ashley episodes, where, like, I feel like Ellie, like, you know, I feel this about Ellie episodes, too, it's like... I feel like that friendship, we don't really have any sign that it's on the outs, so I'm always, whenever I don't see them together in the episode, I'm always like, well, why not? Like, at least, like, have a phone call or something. I wish Ellie was investigating Radish, using her ferret as a, um, basically as a Pokemon. Good. Like, like Pikachu and Detective Pikachu. Yes. Like, sending it through the vents and whatnot to unlock doors. I love this. I also want to know is, why wasn't Ellie at the wedding? Why? Like, it's little things like that, where it's like, I'm sure the answer is they just didn't want to pay the actress. <laughs> or, yes, Frank? I'm just, now I'm just, imag now that's a fanfiction I want to write of Ellie at the wedding just running into Furious on Craig. Right. But it's just like, with, with that, it's like, once again, I understand why it happens. I understand that it's like a money thing and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, I very much wish we saw more of their relationship because I actually find it to be quite nice. And I feel like in the world of this version of Degrassi where so many women are at odds with each other, it's nice to see, like, girls being friends and it not constantly devolving into nonsense. But she's not there. It's Craig and Ashley on the floor. They're reflecting on the mom's reaction. And as they are reflecting, suddenly they hear an accordion, and Marco, beautiful, Marco, beautiful Marco, beautiful baby boy, struggling... Hair in this hair in these episodes, by the way, was fantastic. Yes, yes. He, he His hair was far better than some of his earlier scenes of this type of style. I think they're finally figuring out what to do with it. He is trying to struggle through the song Craig performed, or was going to perform, during the recording time that they had. The $10,000 worth of recording time. And it is very sad. And Spinner and Marco are very, very sad. Explaining that they had to record this because this was all that they could fucking do because Craig walked out to try and reconnect with Ashley. Yeah. The only time we get to see Spinner, and that saddens me. 
Well, Spinner is kind of on the shit list. Remember, this is post-shooting, so... Well, that's true. This is post... Yes, true. I mean, in general, I do enjoy Spinner, but at this point in the game, he is... He's deeply in the doghouse. This, this is... I'm sorry. Uh, this is one of my favorite moments. Uh, they dump the entire duffel bag of CDs at Craig's feet. Spinners is something to the effect of if you toss it up on the ceiling, sometimes it sticks. <laughs> Meaning it's shit. Right. Um, and then my favorite move is Marco opening the CD player, taking out the CD, just whipping it at Craig and walking away. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Ashley, as they leave... Because Marco gets so few <clears throat> moments to be aggressive or mean. It's true. Like, it is something to think about because with Marco, Marco is interesting because it's like, on one hand, it's true, he, he he's not really someone who angers very easily in that way. And, and some of it is just, well, this is a character trait, and then there is the piece of it that is like, well, you know, oh, your, your gay character is not allowed to be aggressive. It kind of falls into these weird camps that I feel like it's always really hard because it's one of those things where it's like, is this an individual issue? Not necessarily. Is this an issue with a trend? Yes. Which is always a real problem with a lot of tropes associated with marginalized groups. But it is fun to hit, see him kind of be like a, a little shit. Like, yeah. he doesn't get to be a little shit enough, and this was a really satisfying moment of it. And downtown Sasquatch is dead forever, along yep. with their shitty reggae jams. Right, and as they are commiserating, as Craig is trying to process this, Ashley leans in and basically role plays out what she wants to say to her mom, that is, which is that she's back with Craig and that she's happy about it. So the next scene that we have, um, we're at the computer lab. We're seeing D-mail, which is my favorite thing about the Grassy. I remember being so disappointed growing up because, like, when I went to school in the early aughts, it was kind of at that phase where everybody had an email address, but nobody emailed each other. And I would watch Degrassi and watch them do the D-mail thing, and I would just be like, man, I wish I had that. <laughs> I wanted text messaging. That's what I wanted. <laughs> but um, Craig is sending D-mail to Ashley. And honestly, isn't D-mail the, like... Kind of like instant messenger. Yeah. Yeah, they treat it like instant messenger. It, it It's truly might as well be instant messenger with the way that they use it. But, um, you know, Craig's just kind of like, hey, hey, hey. Um, and as they are chatting, he reveals that he has written a bunch of songs, sends some pieces of paper that he's written lyrics to, um, explains that, you know, not all of them are, are music, but he's basically just staying up all night and creating. Because he just feels this energy, and he feels like staying awake and working on it. Which is, you know, your first, first true warning sign within the episode. You're supposed to be like, oh, that's kind of odd, I guess. <laughs> right. Um... And he, then we get our second sign, which is that he's just talking at Ashley. He keeps talking. He doesn't lose focus as Snake is in the back telling Craig to stop talking. Um, and eventually stands, eventually approaches Craig um, and Craig stands up. They have an altercation. Craig leaves. As he's leaving, Snake is trying to send him to the office. 
Um, and Craig is too busy storming out for it to really matter at all. It's supposed to be independent study time, right? Me, independent and walking. You, studying my butt, leaving. Snake's just like, I, I don't even know what the fuck to say to that. <laughs> Honestly, if I was Snake, I too would feel that way. I'd just be like, what? Okay? Yeah, well, they can study your butt the office now. To be fair, that's probably the best retort I could have come up with myself. <laughs> like, being put in that situation, like, he tried. He did. It's... <laughs> it's always, uh, it's always Nick rough. In these episodes, has brief appearances, but both times he tries. He does, he does. It's, it's very rough. I don't know. It's this episode. I feel like there are moments that are pretty good. I feel like there are moments that are pretty bad. My thing that I find very interesting about this episode is that I feel like there was a fairly okay amount of setup for Craig to end up in this direction, which, by the end of the episode, he gets diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I feel like there was enough setup beforehand that I, as a viewer, maybe this is also because I knew what was going to happen, but I was like, oh, okay, I understand what they're trying to do here. He is, like, he's beginning to go through it. He is, like, you know, making some impulsive decisions. He, like, buys the guitar with, like, the $10,000 and things like that. And I felt like those were pretty good setup for him, you know, having a diagnosis of this nature. And now it feels like because they were doing this episode, it kind of felt like they're like, oh, we got to show that he has bipolar disorder and then they just started, like, layering and layering and layering characteristics associated with it. Somebody quick do a Google search and let's start adding those characteristics to Craig. But I think a lot of the characteristics were there. But they're almost yeah, like... Yeah, I agree with Donnie that there yeah. were a lot of characteristics that were there. However, in this episode they decided to um, put on their honey-baked ham fists and just pound it home. Exactly. Like, it, it compounds in a way that is just... Is, is that to say that, like, you know, not every... Like, you know, obviously I'm sure there are moments where people have gone have gone through an episode and have had a lot of things kind of crop up simultaneously, but the way that the storytelling functions, it's almost like it, it compounds in a way that... It's hard to describe, but it's kind of peculiar. It just kind of compounds in a way for me that they wanted to get the diagnosis out of the way, and they didn't want it to seem like it was coming from left field, or if their or their demographics would not have noticed the hints they were laying. So instead, they decided to show it this way, and it just I feel is too much at once. Which are takes I will see for later. Yeah, those point in the episode. Uh, yeah, and we'll definitely talk more about it. But yeah, it's just kind of like you start, like, it starts just escalating, and we're just starting to see a showcase of a lot of different, um, a lot of different characteristics and traits and symptoms associated with being bipolar. Um, so after this whole entire thing happens, um, Ashley approaches Craig while he's going down the stairs, and she asks him if he's calm. And Craig vents about how frustrated he is that everyone wants them to be separated. Um, and asks her, like, whose side is she on? Um, 
And then eventually says that he wants to try and talk to her mom and convince, you know, convince her, basically, that, like, you know, he has good intentions, that he loves Ashley. Um, and then he says that he doesn't want... Um, and then, like, he... As she's, like, she's kind of like, eh, I don't know, maybe let's address this after the wedding. Let's pick this up later. And he quickly reads this as, you don't want me at the rehearsal... Um, and they, the, the whole entire scene is just an incredibly tense exchange between the two of them. And Craig goes storming off. Yeah. And we see where he's storming to. It's Jimmy's room. Yeah, so Jimmy is in his, in his bed. He's doing exercises as Craig storms in. Um, and Jimmy notices, like, hey, like, why aren't you in school right now? Like, what's going on? Um, and... And um, Craig just kind of jumps into how he's worried that Ash will dump him and all this type of stuff. Um, and as he's fretting about this, Jimmy is struggling to do his exercise and kind of flops back onto the bed. And Craig then quickly apologizes for talking about himself. To which Jimmy reveals, like, hey, I'd rather hear you talk about your bullshit than what most people do, which is, like, talk about the weather and talk about his prognosis. Yeah. Um... And Jimmy then kind of takes this as kind of a project of sorts and is like, hey, like, maybe you should talk to Ashley. Um, they talk about different locations that they can see each other. And Craig then quickly starts contemplating acquiring a hotel room. Can I also just, can we just nominate Jimmy for sainthood based on this scene where I'm struggling to do my exercises. My friend comes in to complain to me about my ex-girlfriend. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's what I thought the whole time. I was like, could someone please just give Jimmy a fucking medal? <laughs> and then ends it with... That bar at Craig's face. <laughs> <laughs> and then ends it with, I'm going to get us a hotel. If I'm Jimmy, I'm like, I'm... I... why would I come back to the school? Why would I go anywhere near these people again? <laughs> like, what is wrong with all of you? <laughs> I'm going to transfer to that other school. <laughs> Ominously, that other school, you know, you well, know. Like it's referenced in an episode of a te- of a team they play against, but I cannot for the life of me remember it. Brandon or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole entire thing happens, um, and so we go to Craig's, and his whole family is like eating pizza. Um, they're painting and getting the whole entire house like redecorated, basically. Um, and Craig enters into the fray and he's asking for a credit card. And as he is explaining, like, he wants the credit card, Joey's like, hey, I got a call that you skipped class. You do realize they notify us. Because of that, I'm not giving you my fucking credit card. Bye. And... I feel like you shouldn't give a 16-year-old a credit card anyway, Right, right. Like, what intentions do you have? Like, at mildest form, you're buying overpriced anime merch. Worst case scenario, it's probably one of these types of situations. Um, and as Joey is, like, saying, like, no, absolutely not, Kaylin calls him over, They walk. he walks to the other side of the room, and Craig then proceeds to steal the credit card. Single credit card that he has as an adult man. <laughs> yes. He Honestly, doesn't I... have a bank card, he doesn't have any other credit cards, Joey has one line of credit. Yep. <laughs> That's it, baby. I ha- yeah, he owns that house. 
I think I had three by the time I was 22. <laughs> really? Like, you know, not to sound too baby, but I actually got my first actual credit card after only having a debit card. But I also, for anyone else's well-being except my own, I, I don't own a house. Yeah, I, I had a credit card bef- when I started... When I started college, but it was like my parents had it and would pay it off so that I would start having a line of credit, which actually was very convenient for me, but that is a very, I know like not everyone has that situation. Anyway, um, so he takes the credit card. We go to the next scene, which is at the wedding venue, um, and vocal fry Aunt Sally is here. Okay, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, shit on this person's appearance. I'm just confused. How old is Sally? <laughs> I'm just like, is she a teenager? Is she, she their age? Why is she orange? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I was like, what is happening? Hello, new character. It was only... And, and you know, she, she studied at the... Whisper School of Acting? I'm not sure. Like, she's not very good. It's like she's reading the lines over Craig's shoulder while still holding a cue card. Okay, so, um, so Leia, I believe her name is Leia Cudmore. Yeah. Um, Leia, you're, you're supposed to be kind of like a temptress to Craig. Oh, so how, sh- how should I play this? Whispers. So, I talk, I talk like this? No, no, no. Give me more asthma. More asthma. What's that? It's 2004. That doesn't exist yet. It's it's so odd. It's such like a weird hey, addition. Hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. Oh. My brother, who's apparently 10 to 20 years older than me, question mark. <laughs> it's uh, true, though. I'm an, hey. I'm an anthropomorphic Cheeto, and my hair's the same color as my Hey, Craig, I'm the it- ageless one. I've been around for aeons. It's so weird. Um, he's, uh, she's like Ashley's aunt, as in the sister of her dad's um, fiancé, um, Christopher. And apparently Christopher talked to Sally about Craig. Um, and he's like... <laughs> How many expertos were in that conversation? All right, like number this one. Fucking kid. Fucking kid. I'm so fucking tired of his shit. Number one. Number two. Number two. Um, Craig is just like, oh, was I like, did I have like devil horns and shit? And Aunt Sally's like fucking into that image, and I'm like, how old are you, Aunt Sally? Because this is a child. I feel like is she their age? I can't tell. Like at first, I had like this. Why was her name Sally? I had, like, a whole entire fucking process, and my mental process while trying to understand this episode was, at first I was like, oh, is this one of those situations where you're like, I'm your aunt, ha ha ha, I'm, like, six months older than you, and then I looked at her, and I'm like, I don't really know how old she's supposed to be from, like, a writing perspective or any perspective. And her name, I can't get upset, her name is Sally? Right! It's like, they went, we need a name, and we don't want this to be a name we're gonna use for any other character relevance later uh but she needs to be a sibling oh remember charlie brown's sister sally sure well, that, well that's the thing like 
I, I'm writing a manuscript where the main character is a farm girl, so I'm like, what's the most farm girl name I can think of? Oh, right, Sally. Like, yeah. It's not the name of, like, somebody who, like, spray tans and whatnot and is trying to seduce somebody. It's just so odd. It's such a choice. Um, but yeah, she's, like, really fucking weird, and, like, he's like, was I the devil in the story? And she's like, I was, I hope you still are. And I'm like, hello? Um, and then as he's, like, you know, as he's being confronted by this ageless being, he's like, <laughs> oh, well, uh... I love your niece. Like, I love your niece. Um, and Ashley's like, oh, I thought you only said that in airports, which is kind of a cute callback. Um, and Craig then pulls her aside and gives her the hotel key. Um, and which, is, which is a hotel key from, I guess, the 30s? Right, it's like going to Wildwood, like, and getting that key. Why do you key? have a key with, like, the giant, like, Hollywood Tower Hotel in this 2004? Right, well, look, they have the really old school, like, uh, credit card charger things, too, in this episode, so. They did, they did. I had those, and we had the game Retail Madness, and I loved just running that over my fake credit card. Yep. There is just something so satisfying about that, like, cha-cha noise. Yes, it is a very good noise, and it's very fun to do. We had them buried in the depths of the cash register, like, drawers at Barnes & Noble, like, under, in, like, the cabinets, and I would just, like, put paper on them and run it. That sounds great. That sounds like a great stim toy. Um, it is. But, yeah, so so that happens... Um, and then Mama Kerwin lurks over, and she's like, Hey, Ashley, there's no get, no uninvited guests! You should show him out. She's out for fucking blood. I'm good. God bless her. <laughs> also, what I'm saying when Sally's like, Oh, I'm shame if you're not still like that. I'm like, you're, you're mad if he doesn't, like, you know, that he's not infidelic anymore? Right, like, he's not, like, knocking girls up? Like... <laughs> She, she's like, I was really hoping you'd be Dana Radcliffe in the movie Horns. <laughs> um, I, I don't get Sally's angle. I don't get her purpose in the plot. I don't know why she's there. I feel like the writers and the directors don't know why she's there. She just kind of showed up and started talking. Right. Like, it's just <laughs> so weird. I, I really hope there's a bunch of deleted scenes with Sally. Great. Just what I want. Where she talks about walking... <laughs> She, where she talks about walking when among the stars as they were born and how she'll be there when they die. Sally's <laughs> actually, if you look, she's in the background shots of the B-plot. <laughs> <laughs> when Graham wrote that book, <laughs> I was the inspiration for Lucy. I remember walking through Degrassi with Archibald's ancestors. Before it was Toronto, it was still just called Degrassi Town. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, today's subtitle is Sally the Ageless One. Yep. Yep, I think that's it. Um, anyway, so, uh, uh, um, so they, Craig is able to pull, um, Ashley away to go to the hotel. Um, he opens up the door and reveals that he has done the bare minimum, including, but not limited to, 
Uh, some flower petals that have a heart as well as C plus A in the center of it. Uh, pink bedspread of some sort. Um, handkerchiefs on the lights and some candles that are not lit. What's in the transcript that's really weird, Frank? Sorry, keep it going. I, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> anyway, so, so, you know, the bare minimum. What, what straight boys think romance is? Hey. <laughs> what, you've yeah, done it? light those candles and leave. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not done this, because, like, I know better. Because, like, you so fuck... Like, you didn't just light those candles and leave. Oh. something that we should commend him on. That's true, that's true. You know what, he was going through it with mental illness and he did not light the whole entire hotel building on fire. Like my so, um, I will say that a, a scene that disgusted me here was Ashley just sitting on that bedspread. With our nasty-ass boots! I don't care about the nasty-ass boots, you know how disgusting hotel be- uh, like are? I mean, yes. No. Oh. Nasty. The second we get into any hotel room, we throw it on the floor. Yeah. Um, I am... I've been on there. I'm always the one on, uh, bed bug checking. Yep. Um, I appreciate you. But no, like, I, like, my thing is, like, you don't spread around the rose petals, because that shit you just gotta clean up later. Right. Like, and, like, next morning you just got, and, like, oh, we have champagne and whatnot. Nobody wants to drink a half bottle of, like, dry, like, flat-ass champagne. Flat, warm champagne. Anyway, um, so yeah, there's an A and C in hearts. For some reason, there's two queen beds. Um, there's actually a plot point why there are two queen beds, because Ashley brings it up, and he goes, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, because there's two of us, so I'm actually not being a dick and making you think I brought you here solely for sex. Right. Which, fair enough. And then she's like, well, there doesn't have to be two beds. And I, god damn it, why is Ashley always, like, trying to put on this really fucking coy shit when it comes to having sex? Because I feel like she always says this type of shit. Which I guess is just character consistency. um, When this episode aired, I was confused when Craig said the line, I'm never forgetting them again about the condoms. Because they cut that episode with the abortion. Right. Right. It's actually really funny because that joke really does not... It really falls flat if you don't know that. I, I snorted, honestly, when I heard it. Like, watching it, I was like, ah. But, like, when I first saw it, I was like... Which, technically, I did because they never aired it. Right. Like, us, us like, uh, U.S. viewers are like, huh? What? <laughs> I do not understand, Mr. Manning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like, Ashley would have forever rocketed to best character in the entire show if she was just like, what if we only need one bed for, you know, and the other one for eating room service in? Hell yeah. Ashley knows what's up. I, like... On my trip through New England two years ago, I accidentally got a bed with, like, I guess I got a room with two queen beds, because I didn't pay attention when I was doing the booking. I was like, alright, eat in bed, sleep in bed. <laughs> I'm a goddamn monster. <laughs> no, I think that's that's quite the opposite. I think that's the right thing to do. I'm the little gremlin man that never thinks to do that. That's why we're eating Kringles in bed and watching that show with that woman and her dog who 
Oh, right, right. What was that? I don't remember what that was called. With the fucking... In plain sight or something? Yeah. Joey and I have had a lot of... Murphy Fucks. Right, Murphy Fucks. That's what we were calling it. Look, Joey and I have spent many a con evening sitting in a hotel beds watching weird ass shit. Also <laughs> watched Monster Jam. That was the highlight of that entire weekend. That's quite correct. Oh man! Like next time we're all at a con together, I need to unleash the joy of being part of the Lifetime Movie Channel thing on Amazon Prime. Oh hell yes! Those movies. How are many s- Lifetime movies I have watched over the years? Um, we just watched one for, we were doing another t- Lifetime Movie Month for Teen Girls Hawk, and we watched one called Mommy Be Mine, about a woman, a, a girl trying to, like, get rid of the daughter of a woman so that she becomes, becomes the true daughter, and there's a part where uh, she... I... Yes? I was going to say that my favorite title is called My Mother's Murder, where the mother does not die until the last movie. Like, like, till the end of it? End of it. Right. Uh, she has an abusive boyfriend, and her adult daughters are trying to break them apart. It's actually not a bad movie, and it's not that movie's original title. I believe it was originally called, like, Mothers and Daughters, but Lifetime thought that wasn't uh, poppin' enough, so yeah, they called not it spicy. My Mother's Murder. However, the mom does not die until the very end of the movie. It is one of the very last scenes. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I was just going to say, in Mommy Be Mine, there's a point where the killer destroys cupcakes in a rage. I saw the clip of it before we recorded, and it was a magnificent piece <laughs> of modern cinema. Like the recurring elements in I Was a Teenage Werewolf, where he, for some reason, hates milk. <laughs> Amazing. You know, from the 50s or the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of it, they will come like, oh, there, the milk is launching, there it goes, because for some reason he just, it's a recurring element where he just throws milk and creamers and things at the wall or at people. Nice. Sure. So, um, Ashley thanks Craig for doing this. He says I love you. Ashley says I love you too. This is the thing I was confused about in the transcript. Still in the whole room after they had S asterisk X. <laughs> what then in pre- then in parentheses, which they didn't show. Like what the fuck transcriptor were they like? Where are the goods? <laughs> the tra- the- I want to see this awkward sixteen year old sex. <laughs> like, oh wow. It's it's that transcript. Like I'm glad we have it as a reference, but man, there are some liberties taken with some of the notes in that thing. Awful. But, um, but yeah, so, they, yeah, so it kind of does the fade to black when, um, you know, the whole, like, they say I love you, they make out, fades to black, they wake up, Craig is, like, flipping through the channels, and Ashley, her hair is a fucking wreck, and she's crying. Clothes, and their clothes are, like, on the lamps and shit. Yeah, like, what the fuck happened here? I don't want to know, don't. I yeah, do not no, want to discuss let's it. Let's move on. Like the transcript, we don't want to know. No. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Ashley's crying, and Craig is just struggling to try and, like, get her to stop crying. Literally is like, oh, we got candy. You want candy? Here's some candy. Which, like, 
is about the emotional capacity that I have when something like this would happen. So, <laughs> relatable, I guess. I, just turning into a Harvest Moon character. I'm like, uh, here. Right? Like, oh, I got, I got, I got. Would you like this owl feather? <laughs> Everybody likes owl feathers. Of course I'll marry you. Fuck, that's what that was for. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's just like, and Ashley's just like, you know, I'm just overwhelmed. Can you just talk to me about shit? Which is like, okay. Um, and he's like, you know, he's talking about how he doesn't want her to leave. And how, like, you know, she he loves her so much and they could move in somewhere together and blah blah blah. Ashley's like, this is not what I wanted you to talk about. Right, like this is actually quite the opposite. <laughs> um, you wanna come to my dad's? Let's let's go do that. Um, which eventually leads to shower or pee or anything. Right. It's like it then leads to them going to uh the I guess it's supposed to be the bachelor party, which is at a gay bar. Um, Tamest, most boring gay bar I have ever witnessed in my many years frequenting them. Right, and then like we have to watch Toby trying to hit on Aunt Sally. Wretched. <laughs> to be fair, he just says hi, Sally. He's. Lo- I know there was, he's intense. Uh, there was intent. There was intent. There was intent. Well, apparently, I'm the only asshole who doesn't didn't see that because the transcript says he has the hots for her in parentheses. <laughs> Who are you, transcriptor? Right. So, there was a woman walking by who Toby was making eyes at, not sure who she was. At the very beginning of that scene. Oh, we're at a gay bar, all man, and I'm like, rented out, so it's just a room. Right. I'm also, like, very worried, because it's like, how many gay people are invited to this gay wedding? Rooms. Right? Like, I, like, come on. We could have had more more gay couples in that scene. Anyway, Ashley and Craig enter. Um, they kind of commiserate about how they're at a bar, but is that a gay bar? Ha ha. Um, and then um, Ashley and Craig are talking about, like, um, Ashley starts talking to her mom, specifically, and and makes this comparison between, like, how Ashley's mom was able to forgive her ex-husband, and, like, you know, that, that you know, why why can't you forgive Craig if you could forgive Dad for that, basically? <laughs> Ashley. Right. And to which her mom is like, we just fucking got you back together. Like, we just finally picked up your fucking pieces. Shut your mouth. Yeah, like, she's like, listen. Listen, Ashley. It's interesting also with Mama Kerwin, because I feel like so much of our experience with Mama Kerwin was her being relatively standoffish. She would kind of just let Ashley figure shit out. And, you know, if it wasn't the right thing, it wasn't the right thing. If she truly needed to, she would intervene. But she would mostly just stay to the side and just kind of let stuff happen and, you know, whatever. And in the case of this episode, it's interesting because you can really feel how fucking rattled Ashley's mom is about this whole entire thing. Because most of the time she'd be like, well, you're going through a breakup or you're going to okay, fine, whatever. Like, but in this, she truly is like, no, like, you were fucked up by this breakup. You should not be back 
with this person. And it's not even in, like, the mom way of, like, kind of being passive-aggressive about it. Like, she's pretty fucking clear. Like, I do not want you with him. this isn't... Yeah, she's not being passive-aggressive. She's straight up saying, I don't want him here. I don't know how many times I need to illustrate to you that I do not want him here. Yeah, like, she's... Life, he's going to mess with you again because this is, I think, like, the third time you've gotten back together. Exactly. Like, it's it's very much, and I kind of appreciate how clear she's being, because I feel like it wouldn't make sense if she was doing the passive-aggressive stuff. Because with yeah. her, it's like she has so much faith in Ashley as a person, and truly believes a lot of the time that Ashley is gonna make the right decision. But we do see her in this situation being like, no, like, something is fucking up. Like... I don't know, my, my family, I, from what you heard, my family's very fierce, and, like, they are not ones to forgive. I like to give second chances, but, like... No, you don't. For certain people, they get second chances. For okay. other people, especially in this case of, you cheated, you don't get to come back from that. Because that is just, like, the complete betrayal of trust. Another thing my mother has always said, like, when the man marries the mistress, all he does is create a job opportunity. Um, and, like, people don't come back from that. Like, and, like, I fully agree with Mama Crowan being like, yeah, I get it, like, but he's bad, like, he's not right for you. Like, this is not good. And especially with what happens next when Craig zips away... Runs back to Joey's house, and, like, how the fuck is Craig just fast-traveling everywhere in this Yeah, episode? he's like, give me 30 seconds. Like, 30 minutes. But, yeah, he, like, fast-travels. Like, he's like, give me 30 minutes! Runs home, puts on a suit, grabs a ring, leaves. <laughs> the mother's ring, like... Right. That, that's still... I mean, I, I guess... That, I almost, like, that... That feels more, like, okay to me, if that makes sense. Because it's like, in that moment, he's feeling deep love toward Ashley. So what is a best token of the love is an engagement ring that your dead mother wore. Yeah. Um, that, that logic made sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so... He proposes. Okay. Ashley disposes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay, but sorry. Can we just go, go back a skosh? Um, we like Craig says he'll never ever ever hurt Ashley again. I'll, I'll help you guys out later tonight. I'm at Marco's. Oh, yeah, because he's covering up the fact that he has the hotel room. Right, okay. Yeah, because Joey approaches, like, Joey sees him as he's, like, in the suit and everything. And he's like, hey, are you okay? Um, and Craig is just like, why did I cheat on Ashley? Why did I cheat on Ashley with Manny? That was so fucking weird. And Caitlin's like, I don't know, dude, says the person who, like, you're talking to people who cheated. Which is also really <laughs> funny to me. Like, why did I cheat to people who cheat? I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, and then he's like, I'm off to Marco's. I just would love this deleted scene where the door slams. And, like, Caitlin just looks at Joey and he's like, why is he wearing a suit to Marco's? Like, <laughs> like oh, what? Huh? 
Um, Marco's house has a dress code. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he, he wears what he normally wears to school, then he gets home and he changes into like a pinstripe suit. <laughs> right? Like, he's like, hey, mama! <laughs> She's like, this is confusing. You guys eat so much saucy food and whatnot, and like, we're wearing such fancy clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Craig pulls out the ring, and like, (laughs) Ashley is so confused because you know she's sixteen. Um, like, yeah, we're gonna be together. It'll be fine. We're we're dating. Let's get married, Ashley. Right. Right. Um, and, like, it's just... Uh, it's so... It's a lot. <laughs> I had something to say, but all I had was... It all just kind of devolved into, it's a lot. Uh-huh. Um. With our ageless entity, Aunt Sally... <laughs> She's like fucking consoling Ashley. I'm like, I don't know who you are. Why are you here? Tell, tell. Well, she remembers it from when uh, Julius Caesar tried to propose to her. So. <laughs> tell Empty Sally, Sally, who has walked among the dust of the cosmos. <laughs> I have buried. I have buried twenty husbands. Right, like she's like, why wouldn't you be engaged at seventeen? And it's like Aunt Sally. It's the fucking early I was off. Engaged, you know, and then I caused the Trojan War. <laughs> <laughs> some died from murder. Some from accidents. Most from old age. <laughs> and Ashley is just like, you know, uh, and then like. She like tries to call Craig and as this is happening Craig is just tearing the fuck up a hotel room. Okay, so this is when I sent probably one of the meanest text messages ever to Donnie because I was live tweeting while I was watching these episodes at work. True, I was at work and I'm like looking, I'm like, ah, Frank must be watching. Okay. <laughs> um during the, the <laughs> during the wedding proposal it was just what the fuck Craig in all caps. And then, um, during the scene, no, Craig, you have to write good songs before you can trash a hotel room. Yes, I saw that. I did snort when I saw that. He, like, is going hard on trashing it. Those scenes must be... I'm sorry? He was trashing it, like, you know, that last scene in the room. Yes. Johnny is throwing the TV out the window and throwing everything. Ah, ah, Lisa's dress. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Never underestimate my ability to bring anything back to the room. It was appropriate. Joey, have you ever seen The Disaster Artist? I saw it twice in theaters. <laughs> I saw it with um, my friend Gus, who's the one who introduced me to the room, and then my sister wanted to see it, so I saw it again. Did he just drive by his own premiere? You know what? If it wasn't fucking weird, it wouldn't be Tommy. <laughs> 
That movie's so fucking good. Listen, I own the Tommy Wiseau branded underwear. It's true. <laughs> it's it very true. Okay. Uh, because he's an American from America. It's true. He is an American from America. Um, and so we cut to Craig, um, sitting amongst his mess. Yes, in the rubble of the chaos, because we go to the next episode. After he trashes it, we go to the next episode. He wakes up, and Nick, he's just sitting there, he picks up the phone, um, and Ashley's calling, saying that she wishes she was there, um, and that she gives this kind of weird answer about the engagement, because he's like, are you just calling because you feel bad, blah, 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 and then, like, Ashley's just like, you know, Thalia just falls and runs into my lap again, um, and he does, and, like, she does the whole, like, well, yeah, I would say yes in the future, it's basically a yes, and he's, like, super fucking excited, and, like, whoops. Where, like, where's the person being like, you two idiots are 16? It's... Oh, it's Jimmy. Yeah, it is Jimmy. Like, people, there are people saying it, but, like, the problem with Ashley is, like, she's such a deep romantic. I'm not terribly surprised that she's, like, kind of buying into this whole entire thing. Can I use, like, St. Jimmy Green Day song for the outro song? I mean, you are the editor. It's up to you. I just wanted to see if it fits. Um, so, Craig's all pumped. Cut to him. At the dot. He's super jittery. Marco approaches, um, and Marco is just like, you sounded desperate on the phone, what the fuck do you want? Look, I had to turn into a gorilla and go fight slugs, okay? Um, like, what's going on? And, um, Craig is just like, I need a nice suit. And then he shows off that he has Joey's credit card, um, and then they have a shopping montage. Um, and Dylan shows up for the first time. Right? Like, Dylan shows up way too late, just, just like, like, hey guys. Hey guys, what's up? Gay rights, am I right? Oh. Sorry, uh, Dahlia. You know, one Michael check has to be in this episode. Honestly, I would have, I would have, oh my god, just imagining, like, him being like, look, I need two opinions, and it's like, Paige and Marco. That would have been amazing. Right. Um, but, like, I'm... I, I like to think Marco was just like, yo, he's just buying all this shit. Maybe we can get in a few shirts or something. Honestly, that's what I, that's what any right, good like, thrifty Craig's, Italian Craig's would do. Yeah, right. He's, he's a thrifty Italian boy. Um, to show up. So, yeah, but Dylan just appears just for this one joke. Uh, hey, hey, Marco. Okay, Dylan. Hey, Marco. Craig. Sorry, I'm late. Marco, no problem. My work here is done. Craig, and I have a gay wedding to go to. I'm so glad that gays can get married. That you oh two can get married. You, you gays. I mean, you gays. If you ever wanted to. I'm an ally. <laughs> if you ever wanted to, great, great. D- Dylan, thanks for the support. <laughs> right. It's so funny. It's so dumb. So, yeah, Dylan is just like, you owe me a. I, I would have preferred if he turned to Mark and was like, you owe me a fucking churro for that. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I could have been studying. Mark probably just said a, fuck, a 
such a fucking just like he just called Dylan while Craig was like grabbing those shoes. It was like SOS, <laughs> SOS, please come rescue me. <laughs> what are you doing? It can't be more important than saving me from this. He's trying to dress like a scalp player. He <laughs> <laughs> won't put down the fedora. <laughs> You say, pick it up, pick it up. I can't stop. Um, but yeah, so there's a whole. Already term. stopped him from buying a trumpet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that happens, and then we end up at the hotel. Um, and Craig is going. <laughs> he, he wants to do a cover of "My Heart Will Go On" of a brass section. <laughs> In an upbeat tempo. God. To play it at the wedding. God. <laughs> Uh, we cut to Craig in an elevator. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of rambling about his life in his new suit to a stranger. Once again, this is, I assume, to, to set up. Like, he's manic! Exclamation point. Yeah. He's talking at... He's talking at a stranger. Whoa! And then he's in Jimmy's room, and he's like, Jimmy, Ashley and I are getting engaged. And Jimmy's well, just like... It should also be noted that he was supposed to go to his hotel room and he saw the staff and law enforcement looking into the said room and he was like, oh fuck, I'm on... Yeah, he's just like, wrong floor, crazy, crazy me, direct quote, and uh, quickly gets back onto the elevator. You know what? Yeah, elevator. You know what? I think I'll take the stairs. (laughs) Right. He just kind of, ah! So um, he ends up in the hospital, Jimmy is eating... Um, and Craig enters and is like, hey, can I get dressed in the bathroom? And Craig's, and, um, Jimmy's just like, um, I kind of piss in a bag right now, so, um, there's no bathroom. <laughs> Which was actually really fucking funny to me. Jimmy is the unsung hero of these episodes, like. He really is. I, I like the fact that he doesn't want to gross himself out talking to Craig about his bag. Yeah, he's just like, ugh. But, um. <laughs> Um, I got news, big news, you ready? He starts stripping down. Ha ha. What the fuck, transcriptor? I feel like I'm like like a 1980s cartoon villain, I'm just like, transcriptor! It's true. (laughs) Synth starts playing. But, um, but yeah, so Craig is just like, fine, and just starts getting dressed. Undressed, like, Jimmy's like right there, he's like, uh, okay. Um, and he says that he- He says a point of, well, this may as well just happen. Right. And then he says that, um, Craig explains that he wants to get ready for his own wedding, um, and Jimmy's just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Are you drunk? Are you high? Or are you out of your mind? Um, and Craig takes that as, like, you know, be fucking happy for me. Why aren't you happy for me? Um, (laughs) Craig's like, I love her. Jimmy says, okay, that doesn't explain what's up with you or this insane idea. Thank you, Jimmy. Craig, maybe you should just think about it and try to understand. I don't know. Be happy for me. Yeah. He becomes very particular about that. Um, But yeah, so they end up having that end on that term. Kind of tense terms. Um, Then we go to the wedding. The officiant is talking about love. I hate Fun fact about me, I hate weddings in fictional settings. Yeah. I find them so fucking boring. I find them so boring, I tried writing one once, and I was bored out of my school, and I trashed it. Yeah, there's... I've actually written, like, it's actually funny, because I've actually had to write several 
wedding fix, and uh, every single time I've hated it, and I hate writing them. And my friends like, but you do it so well, and I go, it doesn't mean I don't hate it. It's very uneventful. That many people. It's really I weird. To juggle that many people. The only fourth part writing is when if stuff goes down at the reception. Anytime I've ever had to write a ceremony, I gloss over it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like the build up to it. I like the post of it, but the actual writing a wedding ceremony is so fucking boring. It's mostly a script. Like, it's not interesting. There's no way to really make it particularly interesting unless you want to just go balls to the wall weird with it. And like, I always do the narrative trick of it being from someone at the weddings, uh, someone who's getting married's point of view and having them saying, oh, they honestly weren't paying much attention to what the officiant was saying. I love my wife. Out. Me wife, me wife, wife city. I'm in wife city. I mean, like that's 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 all you really need. Dodoy just couldn't stop staring at Dimitri. That the words of the officiant faded to the background. Don't call me out like this. <laughs> Fine, do you want me to do my own? Paige couldn't hear anything as she stared at Alex. The words of the officiant fading to the background. I love how like you've not even played a lick of the Fire Emblem game, but you have gleamed just enough. To eviscerate. That's all you were talking about! <laughs> Fair, that's what I did before I actually got the game. It's true. Just dunk on him. So, was in my home and I was dunking on him. It's true. I was actively <laughs> playing the game and fucking Joey is is splicing together room quotes with Hubert <laughs> from the game. Don't do that. It's still, still appropriate. It's still appropriate. Um, which is why it killed me at the time. But. <laughs> Alex glanced back, at, glanced back at Paige and the other seven women she was marrying from Degrassi High. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. You're a jokester. Because fuck it. You're a jokester. Frank, I'm going to give you, like, the wiki pages of the characteristics of my two favorite Fire Emblem characters. I'm going to be like, go hog wild and write me something. <laughs> Alright, I'll take that challenge. I'll carry that weight. We should have an episode that's just writing and reading fanfiction. That would be really cute. Anyway, um, before we get too far into that. um, Yeah, so the wedding ceremony happens, and during all this, they're talking about love and blah, blah, blah. The same shit that happens every fucking wedding. Um, And Ashley, who is at the altar area because she is um, the maid of honor, I think is her, her title in the bridal party. Um, and she, like, mouths, I love you, to Craig, who is in the audience. I vomit a little bit in my mouth. You're right. And, <laughs> yeah, my notes is... Your bullshit out of this great gay wedding. Right? Like, don't make it about you, assholes. <laughs> it's the gay wedding officiated by a lesbian, like... <laughs> right. Like, come on. Um, it, it's like, in, in the words of John Mulaney... I'm Catholic, she's Jewish, so we got married by a friend. Real. (laughs) Um, But, anyway, so that happens. I hate weddings in media. Let's go on. Um, We go to Joey's, and Joey is finding himself not able to pay with credit card to the takeout person. Um, And he, he actually is kind of interesting because he's like, you know, it's either missing or Craig took it. Like, it's not a mystery as to what could have happened to the credit card. Like, he's, he's... Already, pretty. I want to know is why does this takeout man have a card reader? Usually, right? if you order takeout via phone, you give your number on the phone. Right, 
Right. It's, it. it's very weird. So I'm not sure. Yeah, so this is going to have like a little little credit card, a little square, a little 2004 square reader. That's what I was thinking. I was like, what's happening here? It's so weird. Anyway. We have no other methods of payment. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> that was his only thing. Um, but it... It's just odd. Everything's odd. Um, Spike pays for it. Yeah, Spike is there conveniently and able to pay for it. Um, and Snake brings up that he's worried about Craig. Um, he, there's a couple pieces of this. There's, a, there's quite a bit in this, even though it's a pretty short line, where he identifies that, like, Craig's dad was fucked up. Perhaps Craig is fucked up. Um, and also says that, like, you know, and Joey's just kind of like, it's nothing that, like, he can't be grounded or, you know, get it grounded out of him or whatever, and Snake is like, no, like, I work with teenagers all the fucking time, like, he is not acting like a usual teenager. It's interesting. I mean, like, I kind of like this scene for Snake trying to help his friend. Yeah, and I also like the fact that he is... And I feel like this is a really real thing that happens when you're a teacher. Because it's like, you see so many teenagers or middle schoolers or whatever age group you work with. That, like, you, you kind of pick up on the fact that some kids may be going through, like, issues with mental illness. Or a learning disability or things like that. And Snake is in a very unique situation in this... In the sense that, like, he can just straight up tell his friend, hey, I think there's something up with your kid. Because a lot of the time, we as teachers don't get to do that. Like, yeah. you find out. Like, you're like, hey, I think this kid might have a learning disability. And then you go into the school records and you find out that literally every year a teacher has said, hey, I think this kid has had a learning disability and the parents didn't do anything about it. Yeah, I feel like now that, especially now that Snake's a parent, I think he might have picked up on, like, the main rule of being parent is you don't shit talk somebody's kid. Well, the main rule being an adult is you don't shit talk somebody's kid to them. Right. Or if you do, like, you know, so Snake's trying to play this very cautious game of being like, I want to help, but I don't want you to get your defenses up by thinking I'm criticizing Craig. I'm just concerned. The other, the other thing that makes me feel a type of way is the implication of, like, this could be multi-generational mental illness. Yeah. Which, also, um, the way that Joey immediately went to Craig is nothing like his dad implies that he has told Craig himself, you are nothing like your dad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a very difficult thing that I don't really think... It's, it's such like a difficult concept... And I don't even necessarily expect Degrassi to truly tackle it, mostly because I think it's an incredibly difficult thing to tackle, even if you are yourself mentally ill. Like, this idea of, like, a lot of mental illness does have a genetic component to it, and a lot of people have family members, sometimes in their immediate family, that have similar symptoms. And it's like, how do you make sense of that? Especially if a lot of, like, you know, like, Sometimes those people don't do the nicest things. Sometimes they are cruel and sometimes they are mean. And then you're like trying to like confront the fact that you also have some of the similar symptoms. And it's like a really fucking hard thing to unpack 
which full transparency is something I'm only starting to unpack as an individual. And it it's interesting seeing the flashes of it in this, but it never quite goes into like truly exploring it and some of the implications of it as a mentally ill individual. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's it's an interesting exchange that happens that really isn't that long of one, but it happens. Um, and as Snake is bringing up these concerns, Joey then gets a phone call, and it's notifying that the, that he has a hotel room in his name that is reporting severe amounts of damages. Yeah. Um, and we jump straight back to the wedding. Yep. Mama Kerwin's doing a speech. Um, yes? Here it comes, the moment where I had to almost take a minute. Right. Um, Mama Kerwin's actually doing a kind of touching speech in which she's talking about, like, you know, it's kind of weird that the ex-wife is doing a, a, what, a toast speech, but the truth is, is, like, you know, we have a weird little family, and I really like it, and I like our relationship, and I'm, I really like Christopher and things like that. It's actually a very sweet speech. I, I do like what she says, um, since he's marrying someone younger and prettier than me. <laughs> there's, like, yeah, there's, like, a playfulness that kind of happens in it, and... It's, it's kind of a nice vibe, because I do think that... Honestly, I don't think they explore this family dynamic enough. I think yeah. that it is an interesting family dynamic in the sense of, like... It, it just... I also feel like... I feel like it's the last time we see any of them. Yeah, right? Like... No. <laughs> it's, it's, like... It's just something that is not really utilized very much at all, and... It would be nice to see, especially because it kind of goes back into, like, the last time we saw Ashley's dad and Christopher, it was almost as just, like, a way for Ellie's mom to be homophobic. Mm. And we talked about it on that episode about how, like, seeing adult gay people and, like, how important that is for a kid to see, but then only seeing them be used for homophobia and drama and things like that, it... Mm. it sends a message of some sort about being an adult that is LGBTQ that, whether intentionally or not, could potentially leave a mark. And it would be nice to kind of see just the kind of domestic shenanigans that come from a family that's structured like this. But um, during all of this, Mama Kerwin asks Ashley to stand up, and Craig then joins, and... <laughs> <laughs> this is what I will now read the text message I sent to Donnie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, this was so hard when I knew what happened. I would like to tender my resignation from the podcast before I hit play again. I have to hear whatever Craig has to say to ruin this reception. It's been a good run, but I'm stepping down for health reasons because I'm sure this will kill me. And, that, <laughs> and then Craig said. Um, Hi, hi, I'm Craig Manning. I'm only, I'm only Ashley's boyfriend. I'm not part of the usual family Mrs. Kerwin talked about. Not yet. Mrs. And Mama Kerwin's like, is there a toast in this, Craig? And then, <laughs> I will read these in what I believe the correct speeds are. There is an announcement, Ashley. Craig, <laughs> Craig. Ash and I are getting married. Ashley, crack. <laughs> <laughs> and then dead silence. 
then Craig raises his glass and says to us. God damn it, Craig. I think the wedding photographer snaps a pic. <laughs> I'm going to title this one the exact moment the wedding was ruined. <laughs> I sent Donnie one more text. I am dead. Mourn me. Yes. <laughs> it's true. I, I felt so bad because I knew what was going to happen. It was gonna happen. Like, I was like, I remember this scene. Right. This is. Oh, we're in for it now. Right. This is once again a moment Degrassi really could have used, just being able to drop like one f bomb an episode. Right. Like they just they cut to outside the tent. Ashley's just like, what the fuck? Right. (laughs) Right. Ashley would have earned the F bomb. They would have wasted that. They would have wasted their single F word of G- on Jimmy going, Craig, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that also would be so good. Honestly, Ashley and or Jimmy deserve to say fuck this episode. This should be a new segment in our show of who deserved to say fuck. Which character deserved to say fuck? Basically, <laughs> Radich. I just want to see Mama Kerwin, like. German suplex radish while screaming, why didn't you take it better care of my children? Real. <laughs> a real question. But, um... That's how I want radish to exit this series. Right. But, um, so we end up going to the courtyard. Ashley is saying that she doesn't want, um, <laughs> she doesn't want to be engaged to Craig and that he needs to go home. Um, and Craig then takes this upon himself to confront Ashley's parents. Uh, the ageless one pops up one more time. To check on Ashley, see if she's okay. Mm-hmm. As I once said to my um, to my best friend, Mito- Alexander the Great. <laughs> I-, I was gonna go with mitochondrial Eve. <laughs> 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 Instead, to Aaliyah Pluridon. <laughs> listen, listen, Ashley, you'll get. You'll get out of this, just like I got out of it when that pterodactyl took me from, picked me up and flew me over the cliffs. <laughs> but, um, Craig then tries to confront Ashley's parents. Um, about- First there was Sally, and nothing. Then there was light, and God <laughs> saw it, it was good. Jesus. And Sally began to work on her tan. I do, I, um, Ashley tells Craig to go home, and I do love Ashley's line here, where Craig's like, okay, I have to do something first, and then Ashley just yells, that's not home, Craig! <laughs> that was pretty funny, actually. That was really good. It was. Um, he confronts Ashley's parents about how they are keeping him from Ashley, um, and Christopher is not afraid to get a little physical, um, and eventually Craig ends up across... A fucking wedding table. Which snaps into... Right. Which snaps into, like, they borrowed it from the fucking WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they did. Um, and... Ugh. It's rough, guys. Oh, it's gonna get rougher. I know. Um, and then we're at the wedding, and fucking Ashley's crying while her phone is lighting up. And Craig is calling from a payphone, 
And like And he almost breaks the payphone. Right, like he's screaming, I need you and breaking the fucking payphone. It's like it It's so I mean, I don't know if we want to start going hard into like the representation aspect of this and things like that, but like this shit is always I'm going to wait to the end of the episode till we have the full view of everything before I go very hard on my uh, capital T takes. That's fair. Sure. So let's resist it. Um, we end up at Joey's. Um, Craig returns and Caitlin is there and she sees that he busted up his hand beating up the payphone. Um, Angie notes that he's in trouble and he ominously gives the ring to Angie and says that she has to give it to Ashley um, and then he goes upstairs. Um, meanwhile, at the wedding, Joey approaches Ashley, and he's looking for Craig, um, and reveals that the fucking hotel room was $4,000 in damages. Craig, what did you do? Right, like, what, how Shit did you- on the floor? Right, like, how did you rip, like, what things did you truly rip apart? Like, How expensive was that TV that got three channels? <laughs> right! Um, and... D- did you just, like, fucking, like, with the Raid 2 Redemption, the, like, the tiles in the bathroom just punching the walls? Right, like, it's just obscene. Um, what did you do to the toilet? Did you, like, smash it? Right! Like, that has to be it. That has to be where a lot of the money comes from, and the water damage. But, like, um, as... Joey is talking to Ashley and Mama Kerwin. A lot of the information is kind of coming out between both ends. This could just be called blowing up your spot, like, come on down. Right. Like, you know, Joey is finding out about the hotel room. Um, and, like... Or Ashley's parents. Yeah, Ashley's parents are finding out about the hotel room. And it's just a fucking mess. Um... And at one point, Mama Kerwin says that, like, you know, Craig has a lot of problems. And Joey does the whole, what's happening to my son? Which, I did like that line. I I always like it when Joey refers to Craig as his son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back at Joey's. (laughs) Back at Joey's. Craig walks downstairs, he gives a check for $3,000 to Caitlin, saying that that's all that he has, um, and then ominously says that he is going to... Which I was 16 with $3,000. Well, I think it's like the leftover from his inheritance from his father. Yeah. Um, And then he ominously says that he's going to go to the wedding, no, he's going to go to Marco's, no, he's going to go nowhere. Um, I did also... Before we get into the horror that's to come, I did like Caitlin just reading to Ash to Angie. Yes, that was cute. Um, and then as he's saying that ominously, I mean, obviously they're setting up like the oh he might try and kill himself thing. Like he's giving up items and yeah. ominously telling people to like send certain messages to people and all that type of shit. Um, and as he tries to head out, Joey approaches him at the door. Um, they have a physical altercation. Joey is, like, thrown against, like, a, like, a cabinet and things. Like a, like the hutch. Yeah. Um, and then Angie cries, um, and it escalates to Craig punching Joey repeatedly. Like, 
A fucking ton, honestly. He, like, he has... A lot. Like, it kept going. Yeah. Yeah. And... Just how I felt watching this episode. Right. It, I, and I think it makes sense that Joey does not put up a fight through any of this. Oh, it absolutely does, but there is this... I don't know. I... It's horrifying. It's horrifying, and this shit is always so tough, and maybe this should be saved more toward the, the takes... But I feel like this is always a really dangerous game that gets played in programming like this where having, like, the idea of, like, abuse cycles continuing and how it's, it's actually way more complicated than that. Um, but the idea of, like, the abused become the abuser and they become an abuser in the same exact way that they were abused... It's it's a very precarious situation because it's true, like, if you're raised in a shitty environment, you're going to have bad coping mechanisms and you are going to probably have to figure out a lot of shit through therapy and through growing and changing and getting out of that environment. But this type of stuff always sits weirdly with me because I think a lot of the time that manifests differently from what a lot of media suggests like a lot of media basically suggests it's a copy paste when in actuality it's it's a composite almost like it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b a little bit of my weird coping mechanisms that i developed because i was being raised in this environment and some of it is the model of what i was taught and some of it is like you know my own individual neuroses like it's it's just to have craig do the same shit that we've seen his father do within the series sets up a very particular image of not just mental illness, not just bipolar, but also what it means to be an abuse survivor. Yeah. And that's a very tricky, very dangerous place to be as a writer. Yeah. Um, and Ashley then comes from behind, um, and Craig's mood entirely shifts, and he, like, you know... Is like, you know, goes into love mode, like, oh, hey, Ashley, it's so great to see you, blah, blah, blah. And Ashley's like, you need to get help. Um, and that they, like, the whole unit will get him help. Um, which then results in the final scene in, in the hospital. And Craig reveals that, you know, being hospitalized, he's been able to work on songwriting, um, and that he's medicated, and that, you know, he's, he's just dismissing himself as crazy. And Ashley's just like, well, no, I, like, you know, you're, no, you're bipolar, which is so Ashley, <laughs> it's so Ashley to be like, I'm going to ignore the actual, like, issue here, and I'm going to, to basically reduce how you feel to, to what I think it should be. Um, and she says that, like, you know, she's not planning on leaving him. And Craig brings up a very real, and this was probably one of the realest moments, I feel like, in the episode, where he's like, this isn't going away. And I actually really like this moment, because I feel like this is something that, as somebody who's in the process of coming, of being diagnosed with multiple mental illnesses, very spicy, um, you kind of begin to realize, like, no, this isn't something that's just going to go away. It's not like, oh, I was a teenager and I was really depressed, but then I got older and it went away. A lot of these... Yes, like this, he specifically uses the term regulate. Yes. Which I actually liked. Um, yes. Rather than cure or, or anything like that. Yes. Exactly. I think it's good. 
Yes, that was, like, probably one of the strongest moments of the episode, I would venture to say, because it's, like, he he is saying, like, you know, like, I have to regulate it. Like, I'm gonna have to go on medication. I have to be on medication, and I have to see, like, I have to go to, to treatment, and I have to do this type of shit, and I'm gonna have to do this for the rest of my life, and that is a lot to kind of expect another person to pitch a ride with. And... Mm-hmm. It's it, it's one of those things, right? Like, some of it is that internalized ableism of, like, I am too much effort and I am, like, you know, it takes too much to keep me alive. But there is also that very real piece of, like, you know, I understand I have a chronic condition and not everyone can be romantically involved with me because of it. And it's very possible people will not want to pursue me because of it. Um, it, it actually is, like, once again, it's one of the realest moments in this fucking episode. And... It would have been interesting, like, I wish they didn't flash, they didn't fast track his diagnosis. Because I think that would have been an interesting story, right? Like, he begins to have to go through treatment, his symptoms are then identified, and he is now kind of looking at everything within the framework of being diagnosed with this mental illness. And, like, you know... Then, oh, by the way, I'm bipolar. That's what they told me later today. Right, right. Like, it, it just... It, it feels like that's where the real story is, which is somebody trying to process the fact that this is a part of them. And maybe this is also because this is what I'm going through and I would like to see more media talking about it. But seeing media in which you have a person just being like, no, like, this is a part of me and this is a long-haul thing and I don't know if my, you know, 16-year-old romantic partner is necessarily, like, going to understand, understand me, number one, but also understand, understand the long-term nature of this. I'm not just gonna wake up and be, like, you know, this is resolved. No. I agree. Um, And Ashley just kind of joins him on the bed, just kind of flops next to him. Um, and just reiterates that, like, you know, they're not over. The relationship is not over. No. So, I guess now we'll kind of move on to the takes. So, um, I feel with this episode, and I say this to, uh, you know, give my credentials as someone who is diagnosed with bipolar 1, that they not consult it feels anyone who is actually bipolar. I feel as if they looked at depictions in media and um, not even Wikipedia, because it's like 2004, like yeah. resources of what they believe people act like and how the symptoms manifest. And they decided like, mm, yes, select all. I always feel like with this type of stuff, like, I know a lot of people when they consult, when they want to talk about these types of topics, they tend to talk to, like, psychologists or researchers or things like that. And See, I f- this is why um, I maintain that some of the best bipolar uh, representation is on the soap opera General Hospital, mm-hmm. where um, mob boss Sonny Corinthos uh, is bipolar. Uh, he is medicated for it points that involve it is because the reason the character is bipolar is because the actor is bipolar and he asked for that representation to be on the show and he makes sure that it is um, like respectful and done correctly when his character's son the way it was approached was I feel you know, despite it being a, a literal soap opera, more care and nuance than 
year. And it could be a difference in years because Morgan's storyline was in like 2015, I believe, as opposed to 2004. Uh, but then again, uh, General Hospital is like quietly doing things that are honestly like, like in a world where we still don't have trans actors playing trans characters, they have show who is a trans woman played by a trans woman. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, so I feel as if this the same respect as towards because you know they didn't speak to someone who's bipolar. The character not obviously saying, "Oh, recast Craig with an actor who's bipolar," because that is one very invasive of someone's life, very tokenizing, and disgusting. But consulted like a real human being as opposed to like psychologists or the internet or depictions that and that's exactly dry when it comes to representation and that's exactly it right because it's like when we talk like script doctors and things like that and people consulting like i think there's a lot of emphasis on academia in that case right it's like Let's talk to a historian of a group as opposed to actually talking to members of the group. Mm. Or let's talk to a therapist as opposed to people who are actually of this population that we're trying to write to. And uh, I can't even say it's an antiquated system because I think it happens all the fucking time. Like, so many shows even today, once again, it's a psychologist that helped out consulting concerning how to handle XYZ topic, as opposed to just being like, hey, we want to cover this, you know, this mental illness. We need a, we need a sensitivity reading. Or, you know, you could just do what uh, Riverdale does and just never do research on anything. True, just, just fucking, just throw the whole just thing out. Just write your show like a, write a show like an episode of Mad Libs. Right, like, <laughs> just fucking <laughs> whatever. A t- verb, attacked by noun, a bear. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's, Cheryl's carrying around a doll for reasons. But yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like before this episode, we actually were seeing a pretty good progression of his symptoms. We were seeing a pretty good progression of how... Like, you know, something is up with him and it's not your usual depression, anxiety contingent. And then, like, they kind of tried to just overlay so many symptoms simultaneously. And, like, that's also a problem, too. And again, I told you they put on their honey-baked ham fists and were just like, time to write this episode. (laughs) 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 But that's exactly it, because it's like... The fact of the matter is, is, like, a lot of mental illnesses, yeah, that you, if you search them, there's a bunch of symptom lists, but if you ask five people with the same diagnosis, they all, it all presents itself differently for each person. Like, yeah, there's some commonalities, but they're not going to necessarily find the exact identical thing among all these five people. There's different criterias that meet these things. And, unfortunately, I think... Having this all happen in the span of, like, 48 hours. 8 hours episode, and it's just, it's too much at once, and it's done, last scene, done with particular sensitivity in terms of, like, what they had been building and what they wanted to accomplish. Instead, it was just boom, 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 this, 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 this. Exactly. I think it's... And I feel like that was a major step and it, see, it comes off 
is more melodramatic, which, okay, it's Degrassi, but you know. But even then, like, you can, I feel like Degrassi has done, has handled mental illness-related stuff in a way with less of the melodrama aspect of it, even within this Uh, season. Yes, yes, I would agree with that, and this just felt, it was very ham-fisted because they're like, okay, guys, this is, you know, quote-unquote, a scary mental illness, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do this, we gotta, you know, balls to the wall, let's just fucking go, and it ended up with what we were given. Exactly, and it's, it's, it's a shame, because I think that... Yeah, there are aspects of it that I'm like, okay, yes, like about regulating it uh, the scene with snake approaching joey about it like these are good moments and there are instances where like okay yes this is something that someone does in a manic episode but do they do this 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 this, this like all at once right into the realm of this is how we believe bipolar people behave it's it's yeah it's it's tough. It's it's not the best handling of mental illness on this show for sure, which is also really disappointing because it's already shown. It's it's a show that has shown itself as being able to handle this type of stuff. So like, it, and then to like not necessarily completely drop the ball, but severely fumble it. Exactly. I think in this regard, I agree. I agree. Exactly. It's like it, it's it kind a fumble. of feeds into a lot of misconceptions of what people believe mania is, where they believe that it's just this elevated almost euphoria like I brought up with like earlier today with that person who told me to my face that they wished they were bipolar so they could have manic episodes so they could have some quote positive so they weren't just didn't just have depression but even then it's like the episode reinforces that idea in the sense that Craig is able to create music during it and he's like hey like I was able to make some songs and things like that and it's like and that's, like, a thing where I bring up, like, you can be productive, but it's often, you know, to the detriment of yourself or things that's issue, like, a lot of people be like, oh, handle it better than some in regards where people will see being bipolar as being, like, half happy and half sad. Like, you're constantly, like, the comedy and drama masks, mm-hmm. which accurate. It's very not at all what it's like and I feel like this this show did it a little better of having this is him being manic in terms of yes there is like that you know quote unquote like euphoria feeling and elevated feelings but there's also no sleeping like that sort of thing so I feel like the show did better with that but it still almost plays into that I agree stereotype yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's it's a very, it's definitely not the worst portrayal I've seen. It's certainly not the best, and it's certainly not the best mental illness depiction on this show. No. Uh, like, in terms, like, not the best on the show, not the best in terms of, like, rep I've seen, but it's not the worst, because I okay. have seen some very, very poor depictions of bi- being bipolar. Yeah. So, Frank, with all this said, what would you rate this episode? Uh, solid B. Okay. Um, the B plot was nothing, and the 
Yeah, I don't know, just a solid B. Okay. Wasn't, it was above average, but not excellent. Not like some of the other episodes we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we go on to character rankings? Yep. All right, Frank, let's hear your character rankings. Uh, Spinner, you continue to just exist in the nether regions of hell until you reveal to Jimmy what you did. You cannot come out of there. Marco, still the best boy. Um, Dylan, yeah, I think you were like meandering above middle a little bit. Um, you can still keep hanging out there. Manny, uh, you didn't really do anything, so, meh, still just hanging around mid-levels. Emma and Alex, nice to see you, didn't really do anything out there, mid-levels. Blonde guy, who cares? Um, uh, Radish, you continue to, um, just be shitty. Um, Craig. Craig is difficult because I know he was going through something, but, like, I didn't like... He was going through something, but his intensity, like, just kind of looked like it made Ashley so nervous all the time, and I did not care for that. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to punish somebody because they're, like, going through a thing. You can just stay where he is. Uh, Ashley, for trying your best to handle all this and coming out at the end being a more devoted partner and, like, sticking through the hard times, you can rise a few steps. Mama Crowen, like, fucking A-list. Um, um, Liberty for sticking it to the man, jumping up a bunch more steps. Uh... JT landed pretty far below, if I remember correctly, from the penis pump episode. So he can take a few steps out of that basement. I think that's it. Oh, no. Um, Sally, the ageless one. Um, I've always said Paige lives among the stars, along with Alex and Marco. Um, I'd like to think that as Sally walks back into the darkness... (laughs) Among the other stars. Which turns from her realm that she rules. <laughs> um, to call out Zeus and Odin as being young. Um, <laughs> to see Ragnarok, the end of Ragnarok, and the beginning of the cycle anew. Uh, she will pretend, continue to travel through the stars. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. I know she's a one off character, but she'll forever be in my dreams. <laughs> She'll make sure of it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so she'll go hang with the other one-off characters, which is now Dr. Sally, um, that one dude from the Jamaican chicken place. That guy. Uh, there's some other good ones. Oh, uh, Dallas. Dallas, classic, classic, classic. <laughs> um, Love him. Hey there, little lady, you need a ride. I see everything. Okay. Great. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Nice. Um, so, let's move on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that we're enjoying or related to the themes of the episode, things like that. Um, we're, we're another week. 
There are white boys with mental illness, so I feel like it's fair game to recommend Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, once again, talks about trauma, mental illness, things like that. Doesn't get everything perfect, but there are some really interesting trauma narratives in it and interesting ways that the abuses and transgressions of your parents can impact the way that you handle situations in many different ways. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm doing the Blue Lion run and I'm truly going through it because one character is particularly resonating with me, but there's a lot of other characters that are going through a lot of different things that if you're interested in mental illness narratives in different ways, this is a really good way to kind of see the different ways you can do it. Some good examples, some not so great examples, but there are some really good ones. Um, also, I saw uh, Promare this weekend and I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, not really greatly related to the themes of this episode, but it was really fun to see in the movie theater. So if you want, if you have access to it, and I know they extended the run, um, so if you have the chance to see it, definitely check it out. If not, I'm sure it's going to be released in some way, shape, or form in other media formats soon enough. Um, but I had a lot of fun watching it, and I thought it was really cool. And if you're into that sun and moon dynamic, the two main characters are sun and moon personified, so like... I had a good time. Um, but that's what I am consuming right now. As we know, I'm literally consuming three things, which is Fire Emblem, now Promare, and uh, fucking Top Chef. So my recommendations are kind of dull right now. Uh, but Joey, if you have any recommendations. I mean, I've also been lost in the sauce <laughs> in playing Fire Emblem Three Houses since I got it. It's true. We're going Very through it. Very good. We're going through very it. Much, you're going through it. We're, we're, we're in for it now, Dimitri. <laughs> we truly are. Was, you know, that nice little good place reference. Um, honestly, I have not had the mental capacity to watch much other than Food Network shows, but, you know, Halloween Baking and Halloween Wars are both back. That's true! It's Halloween season, it's baby. exciting, as well as Jersey Shore Family Vacation. That's true, we've been watching that. Real, uh, Real Housewives of Potomac finished up? It is wild. That's a, that's a wild season to watch. My sister made my parents watch all three parts of the Situation's Wedding. Good. It was a very, very, actually a very fun wedding. It was very ostentatious, very Italian. I was very pleased with all the was going on it felt very real very organic i agree episodes were called the hituation and i feel like that is just delightful i agree i agree with all of this but let's be real we are uh we are a hive mind when it comes to jersey shore opinions join the hive mind join the hive mind join the hive mind i might no <laughs> um is that, is that it, Joy? Um, yeah, I believe so. I believe I need to be uh, cut a check for $3,000 if that's all you have. And my credit card returned. <laughs> card. Um, well, instead of doing that, I'll give my recommendations. Um, a lot of time in Montreal, I was listening to a podcast called Morph Club, which is two women reading all the Animorph books. And they are absolutely charming and very funny. Um, I highly recommend it. They, like, point out things... I've read all the Animorph books, but they're pointing out things I didn't notice. 
Like, uh, uh, I was pre- uh, I will say I was president of the Animorphs Book Club when I was in third grade. <laughs> it's Included, true. Included, I had a folder with was the secretary took that I would bring with me to and from class, and we would pl- I would decide who was who when we played Animorphs on the playground. I love everything about this. I am very much, I love Animorphs. I'm, if I could, I'm very funny, love as I'm on a podcast, I'm very bad at processing audio, so I cannot typically watch them or listen to them, as the case may be. But I would, that is something that would very much interest me as someone who's even planning to get an Animorphs tattoo. Hell yeah. Um, they just talk about, like, how... The occasional will just point out how sad and dangerous Tobias's life is, where Tobias will just offhandedly be like, "Yeah, like a cat could kill me, another bird could kill me," <laughs> and also they're talking about how Tobias, like Rachel, brings Tobias books, and like I want this, I want a better Animorphs TV show or cartoon on Netflix, and they just have a scene of that of Tobias like sitting in a field, like turning pages of his little bird claws. <laughs> It's all talent. It's actually a thing. I was watching a bird of play, uh, bird of prey fly, and it was doing the thing where like they flap and then soar on the thermals. And my friend was, I was like, I pointed that out. My friend goes, Oh man, how do you know that? And I want to be like, uh-huh, Animorphs. <laughs> it's real. It's like that. Um, uh, it's like that pro ZD uh, Vine. I hey, like listening to anime songs when your friends around. Hey, where's this from? Oh, it's this Japanese band, like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, but where's it from? <sighs> Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I'm also going to uh, recommend a final game, Fire Emblem Awakening, because I haven't played Three Houses yet, but I will someday. No. You're going to play Three Houses, and I'm going to be so annoying. You know what I'm going to recommend? What? It- I'll recommend Three Houses because it's Fire Emblem and I love Fire Emblem. But I'm also going to recommend Untitled Goose Game. True enough. I can't wait for you to actually play Three Houses when I sit on your shoulders and, like, whisper random little, like, head cannons in your ear as you're, like, playing the Blue Lions route. <laughs> Joey, have you... Can you, whisper the one, can you whisper the one about Ash? <laughs> I think Frank knows that one because I yelled it when Frank was there. Um... Zip! <laughs> <laughs> J- Joey, have, though, have you seen Untitled Goose Game? I haven't played it, but I have seen all of like the footage and the memes, and my friends have played it. It just looks delightful. <laughs> I, I just want to play that game so bad. I want to honk. Honk, honk! I want, I, want, I want my honks. So yeah, that's all I got. So with that said, Joey, you've made it through. Woo! Are there ways that people can continue the conversation with you? Yes. Um, you can find me on Twitter, snailcost, that's C-O-S. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, snails with a Z, because smug snail was taken, so it's for smug snail Z. You know, it's in, like, next time on smug snail Z. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, those are the usual places you can find me, and I'm very easily accessible through those areas. Awesome. 
Um, if you'd like to keep in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do it, as Frank is clearly watching from social media from away from here. Um, you could uh, follow us. Oh, first, you should email us. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at ihopod at gmail.com. You can also express interest in appearing on the show. We love having go uh, having guests while we love having some of our ghosts. We love ghosts. Late. We love having ghosts. <laughs> we do. If you would like to appear on the show, whether you are a person who has been on it before or you're somebody new, we love having you on. So please do not hesitate to email us with any episodes you'd be interested in. Occasionally on social media, I'll post if we have any um, gaps in terms of appearances or if we want to see if we can get some new voices on it. But if you are ever interested, remember that it's definitely a thing that we would love to have you involved in. Um, you can also follow us on social media. We have our Twitter at I Hope Pod. We have our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, and you can also support our show in two different ways. We have our review challenge. Once we hit 20 reviews, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archives, give you bonus content relating to Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Um, and you can also jo donate to our coffee account in which we will put all the money that we make through that to compensating guests as well as um, tech upgrades. Um... And those are just the ways that you can support us. And of course, as always, thank you everybody who has reached out in some way, shape, or form, whether it's giving comments or making potential appearances or helping us expand our knowledge about Canada and things like that. It does not go unnoticed. It is really appreciated, especially because both of us have been super busy and dealing with a lot of stuff right now. Um, it's really great to see the support that we are still able to maintain. We really appreciate you. If you want to talk to me individually... Um, you can find me at DM is Unbreakable. Right now it is Fire Emblem Hell. I am even writing fanfic for this shit, so that is also happening. Um, I do have an article from Palm Mag that's out that I'm pretty proud of called A Home in Three Houses, which is all about, uh, kind of related, I guess, to like mental illness and stuff relating to being diagnosed and going into treatment and discovering Fire Emblem and some of the characters within the narrative and finding connection in it. Um... And I have some other projects that are coming out shortly or going up for pre-order pretty soon. So feel free to support my writing career, which is cool. Um, I don't have a Twitter, but I do have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. It's where my sister and I cover all different kinds of teen media. Um, this week we did Mommy Be Mine, a Lifetime movie, which is just so much fun. We're just kind of doing another Lifetime movie month because... Harry Potter month took a lot out of us. Um, uh, I also have a YouTube channel where we talk about mental health stuff, fan fiction, and comic book stuff. I'll probably be doing some Let's Plays pretty soon. Uh, that's about it. Yep, and with that said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. Yeah.